broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Midtown Business Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your afternoon again today from wherever you may be listening. We've been listening to from around the globe as we were talking uh, off the air before we got started today. Real excited to have people joining us from uh, all over the place. And and, and today we're going to be introducing you to uh, a couple of folks. Uh, some you've, you've met Kim Humphreys before, at least her colleague, Laura Hodson. She's with us from uh, Now Account and uh, introduced us to today's guest also. So, um, so thanks for jumping onto the mic and uh, sitting in with us today, Kim. Sure, thanks for having me. Vice President of Business Development over there at Now Account. They're a merchant services company, and they work with B two B businesses whose customers are other businesses, and they have accounts in their accounts receivables that are aging past 50, 60, 80, 90 days or more. Even they get access to that capital in three to five days for just a two and a half percent fee. So. Much like taking a credit card for a slow-paying account, that's what Now Account provides to the businesses that they serve, giving them that capital that their products and services have already earned them, allowing them to take the next big order or maybe a bigger order, maybe do some work with the government they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise because they needed access to that capital, and we're going to have to wait for it otherwise. And that's why I'm so pleased to have Kim here in the studio to be able to talk a little bit about the solution that they provide, the B2B community, help them be able to grow fearlessly, as they like to say. So I'm glad that she's here. I'm joined in the studio also by Janine Miller. She's the director of the Center of Innovation for Logistics at the Georgia Department of Economic Development. Been in logistics for a little while, so I'm excited to uh, talk about the things that we have going on because there are a few things to talk about here in Georgia. So thanks for taking some time. Indeed. Glad to be here. Introduce me to the whole notion of logistics and why it's important to us because we know uh, you know many of the people around the state have probably paid attention to the fact that they've been doing some work on the port of savannah and that was a big uh, quite a big endeavor to get that done and and uh, now we're moving forward so what exactly does that mean for us because one you talked about before we we started the the show today that it's going to mean over the ground uh, logistics things to be taken care of so what all does that do for us and 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 what, where is it going? Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, I think I probably want to start with just what is logistics yeah, overall? I mean, yeah. it's this kind of weird word. Uh, it's absolutely vital to businesses. It's vital to customers. But it's the thing that you probably or hopefully never really see. It's what gets the product on the shelf for you. It what It's what gets uh, that product there at a price you're willing to pay and gives you all the variety, if, especially if you're living in uh, in metro areas like Atlanta uh, and like Savannah, Columbus, other places around the state. How does that stuff get there? It's logistics. It's everything that it takes from the source of the, of the um, materials to its first line of production to uh, the handling and distribution of those finished products, all the packaging that's required for the, those goods and, and, and freight to be handled in the right temperature control, in right. the right uh, safety and security measures, handling uh, uh, by, by railroads, by uh, trucking companies, and ultimately landing on the store shelf 
and at the right quantity as well. So it's every yeah. aspect of, of what the, the first source of something to when it's actually consumed and all the hands that it touches in between is what logistics is. And that's the thing I think that is really amazing is when you look at that phase of it, that it gets produced, and then from there, how many different hands, how, how, just all that's required just to get it from, from its production to where I can buy it and consume it. it and it's still be able to be at a very affordable, in many cases, surprisingly low price. That's that's pretty crazy when you consider all the work and all the components of it. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it really is become such a, a, it's a commodity, but it's also a specialty. Um, in fact, probably most businesses from no matter what, what sort of industry they might be in, their total total cost of a product can that logistics you know that cost of the total project product is somewhere between two to fifteen percent uh, for all of that movement that handling that uh, that transport the fuel the labor the IT uh, information technology that's required uh, for it to be in that two to fifteen percent range is I would is really never guess that. I was I was gonna in my mind as you were saying that I'm like in my I'm leaping down I'm like it's got to be 80%. But no, that's amazing. Right. And and truthfully, uh, and I, I think we see this every day in transportation in Atlanta, particularly throughout Georgia, we have such a, such a robust uh, network of roadways. Mm-hmm. We use them, we rely on them every day for our own personal transportation. But Freight throughout the state uh, is probably makes up, depending on the hour of the day, five to ten percent of our traffic. The, and what what ends up occurring is in that really small small little frame of vehicles that are taking up the the roadway space that the trucks that are on our roads and five to ten percent of the traffic is all of the goods and services within that. Now, the reason we're able to do this so inexpensively, to get back to the original question, is that all that roadway network has been provided and built up over decades and decades, uh, dating back to the Eisenhower interstate system right. in the late 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, our interstate system just recently celebrated its 50th anniversary. <laughs> and uh, it's very, very uh, it's very, very important to not just us getting around to our work and to our personal activities, but for all all of the products tend up on the shelf. That investment over time in the right places is provided free, essentially, to uh, to, to trucks uh, and trucking companies and those who own the cargo on those trucks. Um, there's, a, there's a motor fuel tax that we pay that goes to the state government and federal government that supports the construction and upkeep of those roads, but it is fractional compared to what other countries uh, have to encumber for their transport of their goods. So about 80% of our product, our freight, moves on truck in the U.S. Wow. Uh, you know, I guess I guess that makes sense. I mean, at the end, that's how it's going to get to the store in most cases, unless, there, unless there's just a handful of industries probably that are near a rail line of some kind, which used to be, I guess, the way that it got around for, for in large part. But when you talk about logistics, I mean, Kind of rewind a little bit, and, we'll, and then we'll kind of reinsert ourselves here at this point. How, how did you get into logistics? Tell me that story. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I I uh, have always loved transportation from when I was uh, my earliest memories, uh, and transportation of different sorts. Like um, my my, I remember my first toys that I played with were not actually um, Barbies 
but they were matchbox cars. Uh, yeah, uh, I've still got some. I've got a giant box of them, actually. And my first one was a, <laughs> my favorite one was a Porsche, a 928 back, way back then. So, um, and even to things like my grandmother, I remember one summer, she, we were, my sister and I were um, tootling around looking for something to do. She gave us this giant white sheet and a bunch of markers and said, go here, go draw something. And we drew a city with streets laid out. Um, so it's, it's all kind of aspects of it. I, I actually even designed a car. I drafted up a little car <laughs> on a piece of paper when I was 10. So I just have loved transportation ever since. Well, as, as I was looking back through some of your, your earlier positions, I mean, you've been in this space from the get-go with companies like Home Depot, of course, with the Georgia Regional Transportation Authority. You've been doing this pretty much all your career, it looks like. I've been very fortunate to do what I love to do, which is transportation. And then, so it, it initially started, I was um, taking classes at Georgia State for my master's degree, and uh, was in public administration. And um, I, was, I was standing on the um, on the line at the MARTA station at Georgia State. And I looked over at the Capitol, and I said, that's where... Uh, things happen. That's where problems get solved. That's where opportunities are found. I want to work for state government. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to do transportation at all my research and uh, transit, uh, particularly um, all sorts of planning and economic development research. But really, when what, what really got me very, very excited about it was when I came um, uh, into uh, my my first work really in, in specific transportation was at the Atlanta Regional Commission. A great group. They are the, the entity that f works on our behalf in Atlanta to allocate our transportation money from the federal government uh, and do that as, as best we can with as, with as little as we have. And uh, that's where I really found the, the nexus between good, smart transportation investments in the right place, efficiently done, and economic output. So we started there uh, back in the, in the mid-2000s with this uh, analysis to show when we invest in our infrastructure, we get economic output. And it's, it's exactly what I talked about from the, get, from the beginning of the conversation today is as uh, the less expensive you can get products to market, the lower the, the price is, and the more, we can, uh, the more we're able to, uh, to, to benefit from in, in our economy and workforce and, and – um, and consumer goods, so that's where it really started. And then I got I got really lucky. I got to work in Governor Purdue's office, uh, and he is first and foremost a CEO uh, of a small company in the trucking industry. was was one of his fortes, and ah, okay. um, and he he just had an eye for transportation mm -hmm. and what what needed to be done was the right thing to do. He's very convicted about spending public money well. And he said, let's go look and see what our economic output is from a better transportation investment. We put the state's first transportation strategy together, and it's spawned a great deal of benefit for our businesses ever since. When you're talking about economic output and, and economic development, what are the major markers that you're really paying attention to as far as is it doing what we want? Is it are we moving in the right direction? What do you find? What do you follow as the big indicators? Well, I think the answer to that is the same answer that any business would give, and that's really the way that I approach my work. It's the way the Department of Economic Development approaches its work. To answer that question, you say, "What does your customer want?" Your customer will vote with their pocketbook, so to speak, and that's how you measure your success. Our customers uh, at the State Department of Economic Development our businesses. And we have had tremendous business growth uh, in this state uh, under both of these governors, uh, Purdue and Governor Deal. Uh, we have been ranked as a result of how strong our uh, all our business climate is here in Georgia. Our customers have voted and moved their businesses here 
in droves. And we are ranked number one in the country for business. Georgia is ranked number one in the country for business by two, two years running now by Site Selection Magazine and Area Development Magazine. And then even this year, CNBC ranked Georgia number one. That's how we that's how we know we're successful because businesses are moving here. And that's the deal. So so you're a lot of it is based on how many businesses are here, how many came in from another another region to to relocate here. I know that uh, some number of major companies have been eyeing, and some of them have relocated corporate headquarters to the Atlanta area and into Georgia, not just in Atlanta, but uh, so that's one of the big things that they're following. And I guess you know, with us being an international hub for for air, obviously, but we've also got a pretty robust rail system, and and then you know, the port, um, you know, I, I would imagine that at, at first blush, a lot of people are particularly around the metro here may go, oh, that's in Savannah, that's three, four hours away. What's, what's that going to do for us? So talk about that. Something like that is a pretty big deal because now they'll be taking, I guess, larger container ships and different things like that. They'll be able to handle that much more traffic. All of those things, I would assume then goes back to what you talked about earlier, that makes our costs go down. Exactly. Uh, it, and it is all about efficiencies. And the reason that the the Savannah port has grown as strongly as it has over the past decade is because of how efficient and customer-friendly they are. Why does that matter to Atlanta? Well, at Savannah, the biggest uh, um, port in, in container movement along the, the East Coast other than New York Wow, I, mean, I, didn't, if you can, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, in fact, we're fourth largest in the whole country is Savannah, Georgia. And those flows of those products um, come in and out of Atlanta, both by truck and by rail. Uh, at, they export and import. There's about 250,000 rail cars that move uh, back and forth from Savannah to Atlanta every year. Atlanta is the second largest inland port in the country. The second largest. And so, what is that? What is inland port? And I've heard, I was going to yeah talk about that because I've heard that term used before. And so, what exactly does that mean if we're an inland port? Yeah, it, what it means, port means uh, a place where where a container uh, or freight of any sort moves from one mode of transportation gotcha. to another. I see. So, uh, at the port of Savannah, it moves from the ocean vessel to to ground transportation, truck or rail. Um, an inland port is where it moves freight moves from train to truck or vice versa. So more of that happens in Atlanta than any other city except Chicago. So we, we have a tremendous uh, hub here that originated from you know what Atlanta really is is a, is a transportation hub. You know we were originally called terminus right. or the westernmost yeah. uh, <laughs> termini right. yeah, yeah. on the on the railroads way back and and that that. Uh, legacy carries on today in so many ways. I'll, I'll tell you some really interesting things about about railroads in particular. I mean, the efficiency is incredible. Um, railroads in 2013, a statistic is they moved um, a ton of freight, 470 miles on one gallon of fuel. The efficiency of that is tremendous. That's amazing. It is. And that type of efficiency, that type of interconnectedness from train to truck in Atlanta is why logistics is so important to this metro area, to the state of Georgia. Um, it's, it's really, really tremendous. And I guess it's gotten that much more efficient with the whole intermodal box nowadays that goes right off the boat onto a truck or train or vice versa. And you can just lift it up and move it over to the next mode of transportation. You don't have to 
unloaded and then reloaded into the next piece, you can just actually move the whole box. Exactly. And it, it can go from port filled with one type of product to a manufacturing plant or distribution center, get unloaded and get reloaded with a, a completely different company's completely different product and go back to ports. Very, very efficient. Um, we're we're um, also benefiting tremendously from inter- information technology in that space mm-hmm. so that a company who has um, shipped uh, we're actually uh, it, Savannah is very very high on the list in terms of interchange with uh, China trade with China at the port of Savannah we have a great deal of flow going back and forth both through Panama Canal and the Suez Canal so say a company has um, some uh, parts that it has ordered that, have, that are being produced in China the, the company representatives can put it in a container put a, a tag on that particular container track it through its whole movement uh, all the way here to Savannah. Once it's on the port at Savannah, it gets registered. They have um, a very, very robust and precise uh, information technology at the port of Savannah that enables a company to call up at any time and say, where is my where, where's my box, is what they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, giant box to us. Um, and uh, the port can precisely say, it's right there, we'll get it to you. And the trucks in and out of, of the port of Savannah, record time within an hour. That is unheard of in any port in the U.S., uh, that a truck can enter empty, come back out with its finished product within an hour, having gone through all the customs requirements, all the road safety testing that occurs for trucks. why can't I do trucks. that in the airport? <laughs> 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 I come back from Mexico, and i got to spend two hours in customs. <laughs> You don't have an RFID tag here. I do not. (laughs) (laughs) We've been talking with Janine Miller. She's the director of the Center of Innovation for Logistics at the Georgia Department of Economic Development. And from the state perspective, what what is the state's involvement in this? Because, I mean, much of it is private. Uh, Many of the the companies that are doing the actual movement is private, if not all. Um, I don't know of any state resources that are actually moving things, but there may be. Um, So talk about that. What is exactly, what's the the role of Georgia in this whole process? Yeah. Great question. Uh, the The role of state in in logistics is is um, m- multiple, but also limited. To to your point, um, multiple in ways of uh, we support our companies who are interested in in moving here and understanding what are their logistics options once they arrive. What's the best way that they can move their pro- their inbound source product, you know, from its supplier to here, which mode, what's the best way to do pricing, how do we set up contracts, that's what we do at the Center of Innovation for Logistics, help them out with that. Um, the state also does a great deal of um, award-winning work, actually, in, in workforce development, workforce training. Uh, in uh, when the, it's, a, it's a program called a Quick Start, and it is uh, a, a program that is sponsored by our technical college system throughout Georgia, and essentially a company will say, I have this specific training need in manufacturing, a specific training need in agribusiness or aerospace, uh, whether, whether it's the production or movement of, of this precise product. You're not going to find that off the shelf. It's not going to be on a standard curriculum of any university. But but as we are uh, customer-friendly as we are at the state, we will inter- engage with the, these companies and say, we will tailor a, a program, a training program for your for your workers so that they can 
literally get started quickly with the workforce that they need uh, to, to, to create the value that, that their business is all about. The other way the state invol- is involved in, in logistics in particular, as, as I mentioned, you know, the, the government provides the roadways. Mm-hmm. Um, that, those are uh, funded by both federal and state dollars. So Georgia Department of Transportation has uh, done a really tremendous job of, of building and maintaining our roadways um, for the amount of the small amount of money we spend, benchmark with other states on our transportation, we are near the top of the list in terms of maintenance. And that's because of a very smart business approach at the Georgia Department of Transportation. Um, and they also have, have uh, created an award-winning freight network and freight plan that the uh, U.S. Department of Transportation has a, has given them a, a, an award at the DOT for the uh, engagement that they did with the private sector where they said, you know, how, how is it that you went about building your plan? We, uh, we used a lot of data, and we also engaged with all of uh, Georgia's big companies to say, what is it that you use of our network, and how do we target and prioritize our investments so that our tax dollars can, can be used on the best projects and keep that, that tax burden low for our citizens? So then the, the business sector was able to say, well, it would really help us if we could in, in, improve on this area over here or add resources, et cetera, in a given mode or whatever type of support it may be. Yeah. They helped us understand, you know, how, okay, at that last mile, we call it, you know, right on the ground where things are moving from the the four-wall distribution center uh, onto, the, onto the highway system, you know, we need better connectivity. We need better signalization. We need more, more routes that are not on the interstate. They would also tell us, you know, we have so much, uh, of course, that's obvious to us coming from the port and up through the state and vice versa. But our east-west connectivity on I-20 mm-hmm. um, is vital to, to companies uh, who are moving freight through, uh, through the southeast, which is the fastest growing part of the country. Uh, the, the growth in the southeast is tremendous. And so by getting ahead of the curve uh, on where we need to do these, these transportation investments, it's going to make a big difference for companies going forward. Well, you know, as it relates to, you know, the whole notion of logistics, I'm sure a lot of people think about the big companies you think about. You, you name the big box company or, or you know, home, home improvement companies that we have, huge companies that clearly are going to be moving large amounts of products. But what about the small business? How does this come into play with them? Do they have a voice here? How does this help the small business owner? Yeah, that's a great question. All of our, uh, all of our big businesses could not get their work done unless they had small businesses to support them. Uh, we have, um, in Georgia, more than 90% of our businesses, more than 95% of our businesses are categorized as small businesses. Uh, so all of their component parts are what make the big businesses work. Um, that supplier relationship is is really important for our big Fortune 500 companies um, that are that are here in Georgia. Um, and I know that in that is the the big names that we know of. Of course, you know you're the Home Depot, UPS, um, uh, Delta, Coca Cola. All of them require lots of little pieces that they they bring together to add value. But it's also in the the logistics industry as well. Um, the big steamship companies, they'll down in Savannah in particular, they will contract with small trucking companies to get that those products in and out of the port and um there it's uh it's really the way that the business works and business moves here is through small businesses so 
how does it go? How does the the small business owner say maybe they're a small, you know, small fleet company that that has a few trucks? Um, how do they get to play at that table where all this big freight's coming and going? That's a great question, and um, I th- it is uh, multiple different ways. Big companies will put out uh, requests for proposals and requests for information and, and build relationships there. It actually is one of the very unique things about the logistics and transportation industries. All of the, if you think about this, all of the way that that companies uh, do what they do, the products that they, uh, that they manufacture, they have put so much uh, effort, so much uh, finance, so much uh, attention, all of the energy that it takes to create their unique product. And then they have to somehow get it to the customer. They turn over all of that product value to whom? To a trucking company, to a railroad company that they have to trust innately to get that product there on time in perfect condition uh, it is really, really an astounding industry that we have here, and small businesses are what make that happen. So it is a lot of relationship building. Uh, that one, of, one of the ways that happens is um, uh, Georgia Logistics Summit. We just had in the end of March. We have it every year. This year, 2,000 people there. And it was big businesses, small businesses, all coming together to um, shake hands, to, to build rapport, to, to keep their relationships fresh with the company who owns the cargo to the company who transports the cargo. Um, it's a it's a very trust-based relationship that is required. And is, there, is there any sort of, you know, place where that kind of information is put out there that companies are looking for doing the RFP process, for example? Is, it, is there any kind of a centralized kind of resource, if you will, whether it's with a state agency of some kind online or any kind of place where those types of businesses that want to be a supplier to a larger company like the, the, the shipping companies, for example, is there a place like that? Or is it more on an individual basis with the companies that, that they do it, like say through their own uh, Maersk, uh website that, that they would go to, to try to identify opportunities for their business? There are multiple different outlets, yeah. Uh, one place, our Georgia Logistics uh, Innovation Center, our website, georgialogistics.com, has a provider directory that service providers, whether they own distribution centers, own a trucking company, own a third-party logistics, do human resources or IT in logistics space. They can go and, uh, and list their um, contact information and the services they provide. And then when shippers in Georgia are saying, hey, how do I find this particular sort of movement from this origin to this destination, this sort of capability on a truck or in packaging, we send them to the to the provider directory for uh, for that uh, that information on on those um, who can uh, provide that within the state of Georgia. Also, the big companies themselves, any of them that who do business in in Georgia, have the uh, have on their websites way to, ways to do business, and and there will be information on on all those pages. Um, for the state itself, procurement with within the state, um, usually that's within uh, the website of the Department of Administrative Services. Uh, that's how we do our procurement all through one centralized source for the state. Uh, there's information on that web, their website about how to uh, engage in business with with the state of Georgia. But uh, um, there's there there are many different many different opportunities um, in 
and if you're also a company looking to to ship something, they'll go uh, either call directly to one of the one of our class one railroads is what they're called here. We yeah. have two of them in, in the east, and both of them have predominant uh, uh, presence here in Georgia. So you can call Norfolk Southern, you can call CSX, um, and then on for trucking. Uh, uh, options there's spot market on on the internet so if you've got if you've got um product to, to serve and you want to price on that and and get a quote even a very short turnaround within a couple of days you can go onto this onto sp- various spot market web websites uh, for trucking needs now the last time that we had uh, laura from now account on the show we did some discussion about mass transit and and in, in that discussion we focused a lot on opportunities for minority owned businesses for example or or disadvantaged business enterprises whether women or minorities whatever the case may be to do business with mass transit providers like MARTA and others where they could interface and provide that kind of a supplier type relationship with them. Are there opportunities for companies like that in this particular space to interface with the state to help with the logistics side of things, not necessarily mass transit per se, but uh, just on the transportation side? Or even working with some of the the primes that they can work through and and getting contacted that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. There's always two sectors, right? There's the government sector and then there's the private sector. Uh, The government sector almost almost by law has to publish their procurement. And so any particular, if you're in Fulton County, uh, you go to Fulton County's website and they'll have information about about procurement there. But you can also get registered as a a small minority uh, or disadvantaged business uh, with the state, Um, again, through the Department of Administrative services would be the source for, for portal for, for learning about that. There's also a, a really neat organization here called the Georgia Minority Supplier Development Council. Right, yep. They, they have a show here on the studio that was just ahead of this one, so let's talk small business. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. They also have their business expo, I think, next week. Yep, yep, it's coming up. Yep, they were talking about mm-hmm. that today, so make sure you check that out as well. Indeed. Great information for them. Yep. What about the rural areas? How, do, how does logistics and this whole discussion impact our our, our state outside the major cities. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the advantages of Georgia is that we have such connectivity on our road and rail that that the rural parts of the state are very very viable for logistics purposes. Right. So you don't have to be in Atlanta if you want to move your headquarters, and I've seen that. You know, even as I've gotten to know businesses through the shows that I've been a part of, there's uh, companies that land in Carrollton and, and, you know, you name the small community outside the city that uh, have, a, have a headquarters there that's an international company. The, the distribution centers in particular like to be on the edge of metro areas because they have access to all the economic activity of a city but have less traffic congestion to deal with during the peak rush hours uh, and access to our interstate system that goes throughout the country. In fact, you can get to from from Georgia, you can anywhere in Georgia, you can get to eighty percent of the population in a two day truck drive because we have connectivity, four lane connectivity throughout the state. There are multiple, there are dozens and dozens of distribution centers, even in southwest Georgia, because it's close to Florida, it's close to I ten. Um, we have a four lane uh, network that gets them access to that nationwide interstate very very quickly, and it's one of the great things I think too about Georgia as we get ourselves ready. Some of your listeners may have heard a lot about the Port of Savannah right? and heard a lot about the growth that's happening there, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but uh, this is a really fascinating number. It's a, it's a little bit mind-boggling even when I heard it, but the growth there is tremendous. Last month, in a month, 
their traffic in terms of volumes grew 28% in March in one month. (laughs) And a lot of that is just organic growth. Like I had said, Southeast being the fastest growing economy in the U.S., um, the customer friendliness, the efficiencies of the port, the technology they have there. But it also is uh, a result of some things that are happening on the West Coast with port uh, delays and shutdowns and, and overall just, you know, kind of congestion and trouble out there. And the reliability that businesses need, especially when you're talking about variances of ocean transport, they right. want as much reliability and as little variance as possible. So they looked east and they, they're looking to Savannah and it's all going to be growing here. Now that's just with the infrastructure as it is today. What's about to happen, as we know, the Panama Canal is getting deepened, right. so there'll be even more capacity for bigger ships to come, and they'll, they'll come all along the East Coast, but they'll definitely be coming to Savannah. At Savannah, we are uh, they've just gotten started on the SHEP project. That stands for Savannah Harbor Expansion Project, about $700 million. About a third of that was put in by state government. The rest will be put in by the federal government. That is going to increase their capacity, almost almost double their capacity, to handle all of these container flows that are occurring. So what we have to do uh, at the center, Department of Economic Development, Department of Transportation, as well as all of our private partners, is get ourselves ready here in Georgia for all of that volume flow that's going to be coming through the port. I mean, I'm sure that's got to be challenging from just a civil engineering perspective, making sure that roads that are under development, for example, or even widening, expanding, you know, capacity for existing roads has got to be quite challenging. It, it is. And in fact, one of the ways to, that we're getting our surface infrastructure ready, because there are many components of getting ready here for, for all of that ocean-bound uh, and ocean origin uh, traffic. One of the ways that we're doing it is with a, a new connector roadway that's going to actually shave 11 minutes off of the truck transport from the gate at the port to the I-95, which, you know, is is, is considered um, America's main street, I-95 going up and down that serves all of the uh, eastern states. So uh, this about $70 million roadway connector is going to be tremendous for this capacity and this this um, smooth, speedy flow to our interstates. But infrastructure is just one part of it. Uh, the other the other pieces that are vital for our surface transport, our surface logistics to be ready, are some of the softer things like the workforce, all of the people who work within a distribution center to unload trucks, put uh, product in the right place, get it on the right trucks on the way out. Uh, truck drivers themselves, uh, the workforce in, in truck driving can be a challenge in some mm-hmm. places. So we're doing pretty well here in Georgia, uh, but it, it can be a challenge to, to find the right folks to do the this truck driving work. But then there's also, you know, small businesses, as I said, are such a vital component of the of this of this whole market in Georgia of of the logistics market. They're, they also have to get themselves ready in terms of their, their financing capabilities. And that's one of the ways that, that we see our companies, service, logistic services uh, companies, uh, who are small businesses, working with big businesses, uh, relying on, on now account, for instance, for those financing needs that they have. That's right. Yes, we've worked with a number of companies, especially as they're growing, the high-growth companies, that, um, for example, when they're exporting and and all of a sudden their orders go to multiple pallets and um, and they need to fund the the um, 
products that they're shipping and then offer terms and wait to get paid. So that's really what Now Account is designed to do is to, to help them be able to grow and fund that growth without taking on debt and, um, and also without taking on the risk. We take the risk for them. So how does that come into play? I'm, I'm, I'm sure that if I'm doing international business or if I'm waiting for some of my either production components or whatever it may be for my business so that I can actually produce what I sell, um, how does it work with the inter- international business? I would imagine that for many of those companies that are having to wait for that type of product, that, that there could be some delays in payment just because of the, the nature of what we're dealing with. We're having to move something by boat across a large expanse of ocean, so there could be some time between the product getting delivered and all of that. So I would imagine you're able to come in and help that company because the, they may not, uh, to get those international companies to do business, they probably request longer lengths of time bef- sure. between the time they have to pay and that kind of thing. Right. I think the challenge is really uh, very similar, whether it's domestic or international. Mm. You're, you're selling to large companies, for example, or to government entities, and they require an invoice, and you've, you've shipped the product, you've paid your employees, and now you send the invoice and you wait 30, 60, 90 days to get paid. You, you may not be able to fund that next order until you've got the cash in hand. Um, when it's overseas, it, it's exacerbated by that time frame because it takes longer to get the product to the customer or the distribution partner. And then they need terms. They need longer time to be able to get out there and put that product in the field before they can pay you. So it is exacerbated. And also when you're dealing with companies, customers, or distribution partners overseas, because of the distance, you may not know them. And that, <laughs> right. that concern about <laughs> sure. their... Um, reliability and and um, the risk of the payment is is that much greater, so that's really where we try to come into play to help these small businesses. And again, doing it in a way that's not debt and that allows them to pick and choose when it makes the most sense for them, so they can truly grow their business. And we've seen you know quite a few of our customers have have actually been able to double and triple revenue simply because they've had the funds available to take the next order. That's it's that simple. And so if I'm an ex, uh, a company that does some export or import as, as a component of my business, that, that even though it's international, that doesn't really matter. If my, if my account that I would be involving with Now Account is an international company, you're able to handle that. We are. We can approve customers in about 150 countries, and about 85% of all of our requests, actually over 90% of all of our requests, are approved today. So we, we have a very robust system to be able to approve those customers and really help small businesses get into exporting, um, in this case, when we're talking about uh, international customers, where they might not have been comfortable doing it before, even if they could afford to fund right. the, the orders, just the risk alone might have been too scary for them. And that's one of the things that I thought was kind of unique about the way you go about your services with Now Account is that it's more or less invisible as far as the that client relationship with the small business who's trying to do just that. They're trying to either expand to include international customers or uh, perhaps they've identified a uh, a great partner that would be able to supply them with uh, some sort of components that they need on a on a great rate that would allow them to function more efficiently you give them the ability to actually do that and as you talked about do so with a little bit less risk uh, because you're kind of you're getting the capital to them once they've produced that 
invoice, now they can get that access to the capital, and you you shoulder the risk. Right. It's really we're we're solely focused on empowering that small business owner to really grow as quickly as they'd like to. So not only making sure that they get paid immediately so that they've got the funds to reinvest in more employees or more equipment or more uh, inventory or whatever it is they need to, to take that next order. Um, we take the risk so they don't have to worry about that. We manage the receivable in their name. We are invisible to their customers. So we will follow up and make sure that, you know, if an, another invoice needs to be sent or, you know, working on getting the payments in, we will handle that for them so they can really focus on the strategic work. And really what it's designed to do is let them know the cost of the transaction up front so they can decide when it makes sense and really use the terms for what they were initially intended for, and that is a sales tool. So to offer extended payment terms, right. look like a bigger company, yeah. look more financially viable, and be more competitive. Um, you know, if I'm offering net 60 or net 90 where my competitor in a, a similar bid is offering net 30, that might be enough for me to win that business or at least appear much, much stronger. So that's what we try to do is just to help these small businesses really level the playing field and compete in, in all the great opportunities that we're seeing for them to grow. And I would imagine within the logistics space, there's probably some opportunities. We were talking earlier uh, about how um, maybe a smaller or regional trucking company, for example, can interface with a larger shipping firm and be able to actually move their freight for them. I'm sure that some of those things that you're describing as it relates to uh, getting invoices paid probably come into play. Um, so within just the logistics space, the companies that are trying to uh, help with that, that part of the process probably have some value in linking up with a service like what you offer. I think, I think so. We've even seen... Um, you know, some of our company, our customers going to their large, their primes that are, um, they're working subcontracting underneath or even to the customer itself and demonstrating their financial strength through having access to this capital and then winning a larger percentage of, of the deal, getting a bigger piece of that contract simply because they are more financially stable and able to take on. Well, can you just, just real quickly, in case somebody is not familiar with exactly what your solution, how it works, can you just give a kind of a, an elevator discussion of exactly how it, how it is? Because it's not a loan, and we're not doing factoring. Some people are familiar with that as it relates to trying to get accounts receivable funds. How, how does it work? That's right. It's really, it's really a new category. It's um, what we call it is a revenue accelerator because it's not debt. It's not taking on a loan. It's not factoring. It really puts the small business owner in charge of how and when they use it. And all it's doing is helping them get paid more quickly. Um, it doesn't impact their customers. You simply choose when you want to use it, which customers you want to use it with. Those customers' invoices go through the system. You're still invoicing your customer. We're just paying you up front and purchasing that invoice from you. So we're taking the risk of the payment. It feels very much like You've accepted a credit card for payment, except you choose when to do that. Mm -hmm. And for the customer, they still get the invoice, and they still pay according to their own schedule because they need those those uh, terms to manage their own cash flow. And it's really, you know, particularly important in logistics in Georgia and, and throughout because the big companies are the ones who have a lot of volume to move. 
But what ends up happening is it's better for uh, for bigger businesses in a lot of cases when they're moving in this last mile space to be able to contract with smaller companies. But if those smaller companies aren't available, they're not there, they don't have the financial wherewithal to, to run a business, it, it, it does constrain a bigger company's ability to move their goods in those those more remote or, or smaller moves that are that are required that that a bigger big logistics company is either not tailored to do or, or isn't interested in doing yeah because it probably just for for certain sectors of that move I guess probably less profitable if you will you know that it wouldn't make it makes sense to have all the equipment and the support that would be required to service Hiram Georgia. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, exactly. And 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 f- for uh the the trucking industry in particular, yeah, there are there are big companies that that you've heard of, JB Hunt, Old Dominion, Schneider, and those are very very important, very successful companies. What is also very important though are these these smaller companies have would have access need to have access to the same sorts of assets ahead of time to move the good. They need to have um access to owner operator truck drivers or right. small companies that have to buy a tractor and a trailer at a at a pretty high expense and if they can't get guarantee that they're going to get a quick turnaround uh, on their investment through you know payment from the customer it constrains their ability to supply that service and I, w- I would guess that those smaller firms like that you're talking that last mile kind of service is probably going to give if you're outsourcing it to those smaller companies that were going to supply that service then it gives you uh, a variable expense instead of a fixed expense. You're 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 paying for that service when it, when you need to move it there. May, perhaps you're only shipping there periodically, um, just because of the volumes of of the end destination. And so you're able to do those smaller volumes through that local or regional smaller firm, and be able to save yourself cost over the long run. Sounds like. Yep. Yep. And there are about twelve thousand service uh, providers in the logistics industry in Georgia. More than 12,000 of them. Uh, so there's, it's a, in fact, Georgia's the fifth largest uh, state in terms of logistics employment in the country. Uh, we're 10th largest in overall population, but fifth largest in logistics uh, employment. So we have a lot of small businesses here uh, doing these, these moves that are, that are a hugely strategic industry for the state of Georgia. I know that uh, we have as a you know, kind of a hub, if you will, I know that there's a lot of oil and gas flowing here in terms of pipelines and things like that. Does that come into play with your with your your focus as it relates to the logistics side of things, or is it kind of butt up against it, but not really part of what you all have to work on on a daily basis? If it if it gets to the surface, it okay. becomes our business. So most of that is under the surface. Uh, we do have many terminals uh, around the the state of Georgia where uh, our um, Oil companies will come and and pick up from the pipeline and and deliver in that you know last mile once again gotcha. uh, to the to the gas stations. But yeah, the, in terms of pipelines, that is those are tend to be more closed loop uh, sort of sort of activities. I see, and so you know I'm I'm always impressed because we're already here you know closing on the last few minutes of our show. So any kind of final thoughts that we have that uh, either maybe, you know, as, as we talked about at the first part of the show, we, we do get listened to by companies abroad um, and, and and certainly small business owners around our area. So final thoughts for maybe either one of those listeners that uh, either maybe they need to get some information. How do they, how do they 
you know, participate in business in Georgia or anything like that, that, that might interface with your particular agency that they, they either can go to a website or, or some sort of source of information that would help them? Georgia.org. Spell out Georgia.org. Uh, that is the Department of Economic Development's website. It is a one-stop shop, single portal for anything you might be interested in uh, learning about doing business here in Georgia, whether it's uh, tax incentives, whether it's okay. workforce development, whether it's transportation, uh, success stories. You can They can also learn from other companies in their industry or suppliers uh, in their industry what they've been able to do here in Georgia. So Georgia.org is the place to go, and Georgia is the place to be. Uh, we have more options in in terms of uh, transportation logistics than almost any other state you'll find in the in the country at the lowest price you'll be able to to find. And with our uh, our our current needs of in in the U.S., 57 tons of cargo a year every person needs. Uh, there's a lot of there's a <laughs> wow. lot of uh, transportation going on, and I a lot of it's happening. I never would have guessed that. I mean, when you try to envision that, that's that's a lot of stuff. So what about the what about the communities um, that want to interface with those businesses to, to to entice them here? Are there resources for for them? I guess at the in the same place so that they can learn how do we interface with those companies that are looking at Georgia um, to to be here? Is it kind of in the same collecting point so that they can either participate in the logistics side of things or or just in the business sector in general? Yeah, if if a company is uh, looking to do business in Georgia, they're they'll e- they either tend to to know someone who already does business I here, see. and and one of one of us in business will connect them with the right folks. There's also local development authorities in every community in Georgia that knows the on the ground uh, aspects of the resources in that community, um, and that can be found through Georgia Economic Developers Association uh, and Georgia.org. Once again, okay. it's a one stop shop. How about you, Kim? I, I know that on the, the Midtown Business Radio show page, there's a link to some information that would take a business that's curious about the solution that you were describing as it relates to getting access to their aging AR capital. Um, what's the process like? I've, from what I understand, it's really quite simple. I mean, there's not a big credit kind of thing that you have to go through to, uh, to determine whether the solution is right for their business or not. So. No, it's really simple. Um, You can just go to nowaccount.com, and there is an application. You just fill out the application. It's basically about five or six questions, all the information you'll have in your head, really the the name, address, and phone number of the company. And um, you get a quick turnaround, and um, within 48 hours, you'll know if you're approved for a now account. We can approve about 85% of all businesses in Georgia. So we are we're happy to help. Again, it's it's only for businesses that are selling to other businesses or government, mm-hmm. not any consumer. But um, it's a it's a great way to quickly get moving and and pick and choose when it makes sense for you, and just test it out and to see if you can grow your business, have the capital you need to grow your business. So if you're interested in that, go to Now Account, or you can also, if you're already on the show page, you can link on to the uh, the banner on the left-hand side of the Midtown Business Radio show page. There's a link there to Now Account that'll take you straight to it. So uh, as soon as the show is over, you can just jump over there and get some great information as to whether or not it uh, makes sense for your business, how it might uh, how the how the solution works because there's some pretty good details there that talk about kind of uh, how it works for your business and 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 Janine thanks so much for taking some time to come out and I had no idea that uh, that it, it that just from the logistics perspective of what's going on around our state and uh, the statistics behind it were pretty amazing. 
Well, we we know in logistics, if if you don't notice this, that means we're doing our job well. I guess you're doing well. a good job. <laughs> <laughs> so Thank it's you for pretty cool me. getting to uh, to hear about how you are facilitating the, the the business world here in our state and abroad, actually. So for all the folks out there listening today, um, make sure you link up with us on on uh, Facebook and Twitter. We're at uh, Midtown BRX on both Facebook and Twitter. We tie in with all of our guests so that you can get access to their information as well. Please share this with your colleagues because uh, I can assure you there's somebody out there that can probably benefit from learning about some of the things that Janine and Kim had to talk about today. So uh, to my guests, you all are busy folks, so you made some time to come out and share some information. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So make a point to be back here with us. Same time, same place next week. See you then.